Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, it is great to be together. I want to commend all the second service people who got up extra early, (laughs) even on the time change, to make it for one service. But the good thing is you get to be released early and have the whole day, and it stays light out this evening. That's the best part, right? Now, supposedly, if if the government can get us act together, supposedly it's actually going to go through. This may be the last time change of your lifetime. I can't prophesy because I heard it was going to happen four years ago, so I don't know. Anyway, but it's great to be together. Uh, We're continuing our thought this month called See What God Does, one of the mantras of our church, one of the things that we say all the time. Today's message is called Treasure in Jars of Clay, and we're going to get right into the Word. Pastor Chris is a thunder stealer today. He didn't know it, but he preached a big part of my message already, so (laughs) amen, let's go home. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, you can tell they don't read over the notes uh, that we send early. So everybody wants to be spontaneous. No, no, I'm saying they want to they they be spontaneous. I get that. I get that. But sometimes when God's speaking, he wants to really put an put a exclamation point on something, so you have to hear it six times. So we still got five more times this year. So. Anyway, we're going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6 in your copy of God's Word, if you will. Um, King David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant Remember, the Ark of the Covenant is the, it's the point of contact on the earth as a manifested glory of God, manifested presence of the glory of God on earth. And King David, uh, one of the things he wants to do when he becomes king, he wants to bring that back to Israel. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3, it says, so they set the Ark of God on a new cart. That sounds nice and noble, doesn't it? Put it on a new cart, put it on something new, put it on the new wineskin, should be fine. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, the ark had been in their house for a long period of time. They drove the new cart. And they brought out of the house of Abinadab, who was on, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord. This sounds like a great worship service. Nothing bad's going to happen here, Right? David, all the house of the Lord played music before the Lord on all the kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums. I don't even know what a sistrum is. And on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his heir and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Basically, how are we supposed to carry the glory of God back to God's people if this guy just died for touching it? I want to weave in Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, 
then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. That's, about a th- that's almost 1,000 yards, 900 and something yards. That's nine to 10 football fields. It says, do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. They, they went in circles for 40 years, but as they're crossing over into the new season, God reminds them, you've never been on this road before. You've got to follow the Holy Spirit on this road. Finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 from the NIV says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Let's pray one more time. Father God, would you open our hearts, precious Holy Spirit, come and breathe into us the inspiration of scripture, breathe into us the truth of your word, and let us be grounded and founded upon your word of truth that we may be established in what you wanna do in our generation. Fill us with the heaviness and thickness of all that is good. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking this whole month about the spirit of revival and what it means. These hot spots, Asbury in in Kentucky and now into over 35 campuses. I understand that over 200 different campuses sent their young people to Asbury uh, University and drank from the water of this revival that started on February 8th. And now it's, it's not going there, but it's going in other places and and some of the students, I guess, went to Lexington this past week into a big, a big uh, center and the revival continued again. God is moving, something is happening. We've been praying for these things for decades. For many of you have been praying for them your whole Christian life. And so we wanna talk about it. We need to understand what, the, you know, revival is about being personally changed and corporately changed. It's about the body of Christ. It's about the church, as Pastor Chris said earlier. We said last week that you were made as a believer to thrive in the environment of the supernatural presence of God in the river that we sang about earlier. We always believe here that life works best when God is first. And when you're seeking him first, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, his rightness, all these other things will be added unto you. We said God is ready to do a new thing. But if you wanna be a vessel of new wine, you have to be willing to change, grow, and surrender, that's the trick. See, we cry out for revival, but then we don't like what it demands of us. It demands some things of us, it's different. You, 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 you gotta handle it differently. That's what we're gonna talk about today a little bit. And so we have to be surrendered to become a new wine skin, a new wine bottle first. Now ultimately revival is about giving a fresh spark to your relationship with God that begins to spread into others. And more specifically, your relationship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is God's representative on earth. Jesus is physically seated at the right hand of God, but he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and his spirit is still being poured out today. That's not over just because the Bible is completely written and canonized. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit, it's not wrong. Listen, he will always point to Jesus, but that doesn't mean we ignore him. Even some of the great old hymns of the church, we, we, we praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
We don't just praise. And I've heard people say, well, you can't talk to the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they said praise the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And in the old Methodist church where I grew up, and then the Presbyterian church, where the choir would sing that. So if, it was, if you're singing about it 100 years ago, why can't you sing about that today? Now, I do want to say a lot of people have this terminology today, and, and, and because we understand the Holy Spirit is not an it, but he's a he, the third person of the Trinity, a lot of people today, and I, 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 you can do whatever you want to do. Just let me tell you how, how I, this is how I feel. Because a lot of people now talk about Holy Spirit without the, uh, because he's the personality. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, I say the Holy Spirit because that's what the Bible says. When I talk to the Holy Spirit, I say Holy Spirit, I don't say the Holy Spirit. You don't have to sound super spiritual to talk to the Holy Spirit. So when you address him, you want to welcome him, you want to have a relationship, he will always glorify Jesus. Don't worry about it too much. He will always point to the, Jesus will always glorify the Father and the Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus and the Father. They are one, Okay. But if we're truly going to understand the fresh move of the Spirit of God, we have to understand many new things about the words we use, like the word revival. Because revival is not all-encompassing. As I said last week, it doesn't mean you had a guest speaker come in once a year and, and do a few extra nights. That's, that, that's what a lot of churches refer to as revival. And that, I'm not trying to say that's wrong for them. I'm just trying to say that's not, that's not really revival. That's not, that's not really a... Um, I, I know one person said that uh, uh, re- he defines revival as God's arrival. God's arrival, that God shows up in his manifested presence. And isn't that what we all want? That's what we want in revival, that God shows up and then reveals more of himself. I like to say it this way. Revival is about waking up or raising up that which has been dead or asleep. Revival is specifically for the church, the body of Christ. You can't revive something that was never revived in the first place. You, have to, you can only revive that which was vived. And so revival is not, when we see the Jesus Revolution movie, that's an amazing movie, but that's more than revival. That's something that spills out into the community and begins to affect unsaved, lost people that are completely unchurched, away from God, or backslidden and begins to draw them back supernaturally. So we have to kind of define these things. Many people uh, think it's just limited to special means where souls are saved. That's not necessarily true because they were never spiritually alive yet. Revival is for the church first. And, uh, and somebody said uh, that revival is mainly gonna be seen in dead churches. I, I disagree with that. I think, I think there are things sleeping in all of our churches. There are aspects of God that are asleep, that we put on the back burner, that we read in a statement of faith, but we don't activate. That we say we believe in this, that, and the other, but we never do anything with it. So I think, I do believe um, that there's there's an awakening aspect in revival for the church that God is reviving. He's breathing life back, restoring our first love for Jesus, making us red hot in our passion again for God. Remember, two of the five churches in the book of Revelation were rebuked by Jesus, even though they were technically good churches. He said, said, I have somewhat against you. And and one of them, he said, you left your first love. You lost the passion. Now, when you first got saved, 
If you've been saved for less than a year or two, you may be still in the honeymoon phase. You may still be in that place where you just go, Jesus, and his presence comes on you and you can't help but experience him. When you first get saved, you think you're never gonna lose this passion. This is, you're so grateful. You can't believe. You just can't believe that God would, I mean, you know you, right? <clears throat> you know yourself. And when you see the mercy and you have had that sense of lostness and now he found you and rescued you, at that moment, the gratitude that overwhelms your soul, you think you'll never, you'll, you'll never get over that. But listen, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord this year be 42 years. I've been through a lot of roller coasters with God. I've been ups and downs. I've been, and, and listen, you can have the zeal for God, but it's not always the same measure. You've got to feed the fire. The Bible says without, without wood, the fire goes out. So you've got to fuel the fire. You've got to fuel the fire and fan into flame the embers. Paul writes to Timothy, fan into flame the embers of, of, of the gifts of God that are within you. Fan into flame. You've got to fan the flame. There, you, may, you, know, you may be smoldering right now, and you need God to light you up. We need that, and we need that from time to time and from season to season and from day to day and month to month and year to year because this is a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is not a, this is not a quick thing. We don't need just a few glory moments. We need encounters with the living God, the risen Christ. We need, we need a revelation. You know, uh, many talk about when, when they hear the angels singing, holy, 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 listed in scripture, holy, 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 that they're just, they're, they're singing what they're getting revelation of. The holiness of God comes in there, holy. And then it rolls in again, holy. And then it rolls in again, holy. They're not just saying words. They're beginning to de describe an experience with the presence of God. The other part of the, in the book of Revelation is Jesus said, I wish that you were either cold or hot. You know, cold water, ice water is great, isn't it? Uh, it's funny, when we were in Europe a couple of weeks ago, um, honestly, I, I asked for ice cubes and they put one cube in the bottom of my cup, poured in the water, one ice cube. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need a, I need a whole glass of ice and a whole glass of water and I'll mix it myself. And they look at you like crazy American. <laughs> they were, the, the Europeans were, grew up a lot of them without good water. Now it's, it's come back and it's good now in most places. <clears throat> Years ago, I wouldn't even brush my teeth with most of the water in Europe when I was on the road. Now you can actually drink most of it's filtered and all that kind of thing. But here's the deal. When they were giving out water, if I didn't ask for ice, it's lukewarm. I don't want lukewarm water. I, it, it needs to be piping hot so I can have coffee or tea or it needs to be ice cold because lukewarm water makes me want to spew. Sorry, that's what Jesus said. He said, I, I, I would that the water that's inside of you would either be boiling or freezing. But because you're tepid, it's one of my father's PhD words, tepid. Because your water's tepid, it's good for nothing. 
It's good for nothing. You can't do anything with tepid water. Either be hot or cold. That's what revival does. Revival does something with the living water on the inside of you and boils it up or freezes it down to be used by our mighty God. 20th century revivalist Vance Havner once said, and this is, if you, if you take nothing away from this message from today except this one point, I want you to write this down. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. 20th century revivalist Vance Havner once wrote, what we call revival is simply New Testament Christianity, the saints going back to normal. Please remember that. Because revival is tr always trying to get us back to what the early church was. The, the revival in the, in the New Testament, revival in the book of Acts, the, the, it, was, it was full of experiences, full of times with God, full of the word being made flesh, full of God coming and partnering with people and working through people in signs, wonders, and miracles. In his presence, many things took place. Peter's shadow, at one point, the fear of the Lord came on the people so much that Peter didn't even have to lay hands on people. He walked down the street. They said, don't mess with him. Two people just died lying to him. Stay back, but bring your sick friends and let his shadow pass over them. And the Bible, that doesn't even happen. They didn't even say that happened in, in the gospels with Jesus. Greater things will you do because I go to be my, with my father. Peter's walking down the street, his shadow as a point of contact touching the people brought healing and deliverance. But it was because of this reverential awe of God had been restored when the people were already being very casual with God. By Acts chapter five. So the Ananias and Sapphira, they thought of a whole lie conspiracy so they could, um, and they, by the way, they weren't even in government. Anyway, you missed the joke. Anyway, they thought of this whole lie to, 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 to get the, everybody to pat them on the back and say how, they're some of our biggest givers. Here's a, yeah, biggest givers. And they come in this, and, and, and Ananias comes in. He says, you come in later and just verify the story. So he goes into church, the tangible, what they didn't count on was this, the tangible manifested presence of the glory of God was in the room. Read the story for yourself, Acts chapter five. So Ananias comes in, he says, uh, he says oh, Apostle Peter, hey, um, we sold our house we were praying about. Thanks, thanks for praying with us. We sold our house. We decided to bring uh, half the proceeds and just give them right now. So here's, here it is. I'm going to lay it down. This is amazing. We want to be part of what happened in Acts chapter 4 when people were laying their stuff down that they had sold. So, hey, so we, we want to be part of it. So anyway, th there it is. Isn't that huge? Isn't that a huge amount? What a great blessing. And Peter says, and this is how we know Peter wasn't a pastor. Okay? Peter was an apostle. There's a difference. A pastor goes... Oh, man, don't lie. You're like Colonel Clink. Hogan. Three people remember Colonel Clink. Sorry. Sorry, I have my Hogan's Heroes flashback. He gets up there, and Peter said, your money perish with you <laughs> because you thought you could lie to the Holy Spirit 
That's what he says. And he says, right now, there are young men walking down the aisle and you're not just gonna be slain in the spirit, you're gonna be slain. And they're gonna carry your dead body out. Bye-bye. You are the weakest link. He drops dead. Now, this is where we know Peter is really not a pastor because when, when Sapphira comes in and she's all happy, Peter could have stopped the whole thing and said, listen, let me tell you what just happened to your husband. He goes, hey, did you sell your land? She said, well, yes, we did for such and such a price and we brought this. <laughs> and Peter goes, those footsteps you hear are the boys that took your husband's dead body out and they're coming for yours. Bye. And she drops dead. In the next chapter, or the next part of the chapter, it says the fear of the Lord came back upon every soul. And nobody wanted to ask Peter for anything. <laughs> I promise you. See, we say we want revival but you have to know the cost because God is still holy and the Holy Spirit is real and he's here. What we call revival is simply New Testament Christianity, the saints going back to normal. Pastor Cheon says the church must go backward before it can go forward. Very powerful. By the way, I don't know if you got that slide back there, but I'm reading a book. My wife and I have been reading a book since late January, early February on revival. And if you could put that up there for me. Um, so anybody wants to go deeper in this subject? This is by the pastor that sued the government and the governor of California for making the churches uh, non-essential during covid and opening the strip joints and the marijuana clinics and the bars and everything else, they were essential, but the church was forbidden from getting together or worshiping or singing. And he sued, it went to the Supreme Court and he won. This, this is one of our peers, this is the one to respect. Anyway, turning our nation back to God through historic revival by Dr. Che An. Please get that for those of you who wanna go deeper in this, okay? What most people describe as revival is more like what Dr. Joseph Matera calls an awakening, a massive movement of winning the lost in the surrounding communities of churches. He says revival is a means to an end, not an end in itself. And I think that's who Mario Merlo must have been quoting was Joseph Matera's article from a couple weeks ago. Revival, the goal of revival is not, woo, we had a revival at our church today. God showed up. That's not the goal of revival. The goal of revival is transformation of individuals, churches, then spilling over into the salvation of whole communities via something further called reformation. The new, listen, the Protestant Reformation of 1518, 500 years ago, 503 years ago, the Protestant Reformation that began under Martin Luther in the 1500s is still going on today. Revival splashes in and splashes out, but Reformation is something that changes people and societies and cultures and values and morals and begins to reset the temperature to where it's supposed to be. Revival is an absolute must. We need the Holy Ghost to show up and knock us to the floor. We need him to show up. 
but it's because it comes first in the big picture of God's plan and his purpose for humanity. Everything comes through God's house, the church of Christ Jesus the Lord. Even if you see the Jesus Revolution movie, you'll understand that God still had to find a pastor in a church through whom he could work. Why? Because every good thing that happens on the earth, God does it through his people, the body of Christ. Nothing can happen without Christ and nothing can happen with Christ without his body. Okay? That's why this is important. That's why this is crucial. This is a crucial moment that we live in. I love this. Uh, one of my life verses is Isaiah 60, verse 1. But from the Amplified, it says this, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Past tense, past tense. It's already risen upon you. You gotta get up and let it shine. You gotta let that experience come afresh to, to awaken you, but let God arise, let his enemies be splattered, we used to say. The main issues addressed by revival are passion and power. Passion for God and the miracle worker working power of the Holy Spirit being released afresh, healing, deliverance, blessing, strengthening, empowerment. As Pastor Lindsay said earlier, we must be postured correctly for God to move. Not perfect, but yielded. We are human. We're human vessels. We're jars of clay, the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit is our treasure. How do you handle a treasure? When I was in London a couple weeks ago, my friends who were traveling with me went to see the crown jewels. They had a, a, a special way to go to the Tower of London and see the royal, the crown jewels. When they handle those things and put them away every night, they have to wear gloves. They don't go, hey, here you go. Here's the crown jewels, put them in a box. Here's for tomorrow. They have somebody that comes and gets them and they get them off this thing and they take them out of velvet and they take them on the royal everything and they take them with reverence and here's the crown jewels. I love that we can be intimate with the Holy Spirit, but he's still the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, <clears throat> in cracked pots. We, we have this treasure in cracked pots. That's basically what it says. We're imperfect, we're impure. We are cracked pots, not crock pots. That's a whole different thing. That takes too long to warm up. Cracked pots, jars of clay, fragile vessels, imperfect, impure, but the treasure is perfect. The treasure is pure. The Bible says we have to handle that treasure with care. Not like when you put fragile on a package that goes through UPS. Isn't it interesting now, those of you that have the door cameras, when you see people put fragile things on your porch, one for the money, two for the show. You know, it's like, then they take a picture of, you know, we got your, we got your, we got it there. Sometimes it's whole and sometimes it's not whole. 
The Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? One translation says, don't make him sad. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Jesus said, of every sin you can be forgiven, except one. The only unpardonable sin is what? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, not Jesus, not even God the Father. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit to attribute the works and the power of the Holy Spirit as something demonic. You're in danger. Now, if you're convicted right now that you, and you're nervous, you may have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you didn't. Because if you ever blaspheme the Holy Spirit, his presence will lift and he won't convict you. You won't feel bad about it. You'll just go headlong into the inferno. I don't mean right to hell. I mean the hell express where life on earth will become hell. You, you, you can't accidentally, oops, I think I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> My wife had an encounter one time where we were just preparing for ministry and we were in a really hard time and we had a little bit of a disagreement. Not that any of you other couples have ever had a disagreement with your spouse. It was a frosty night. One of the very few times I've gone to bed to go to sleep without her, <clears throat> but I went to bed mad. Oh, well, no. I went to bed frustrated. It was one of those times where I prayed... I've probably only prayed this prayer a few times in my life. Lord, get her. <laughs> I've only prayed a few times in my life. The great thing is God has and does, and she's prayed the same thing for me a few times. But this one time, I think you, you were just telling people about this recently, weren't you, for the first time in a long time. Anyway, we were living in what we affectionately called the Roach Motel, this condo that was roach infested, and she was frustrated, and she was saying, it's, this isn't working. This isn't working for me. And that night, when I went to bed, I just prayed one of those dangerous prayers, and I went to sleep. And next thing I know, a couple hours later, middle of the night, she's grabbing me, and she is sobbing. I mean, she is broken. And she's shaking. And she said, oh, I think I did it. I think I... I think that night she even threw her Bible either at me or on the floor or both. I don't think she, did you throw it at me or on the, she threw it on the floor, across the floor like this, like a Frisbee. I don't suggest that. She wakes me up and she says, I've done it. I, I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what? And out of a dead sleep, I said, no, you didn't because you're feeling convicted about it and that's the Holy Spirit convicting you so it's impossible, you couldn't have done it. And we retraced what had happened and she was just questioning whether we were called to ministry, whether we were gonna go forward with God or just go back in the insurance business and just kind of retreat. Just, we, we, she just wanted, we, we both just at that time wanna be normal, can we just be normal Christians? Let's, we don't need all this pressure. And the love of God filled our bedroom at that moment. 
and we prayed together, and it was a, it was a sweet moment. It turned out to be a very sweet moment. But it was scary for her. That's how I know when you feel that conviction, that's God on you, okay? <clears throat> In our text, and I'll finish with this, Uzzah pays a price for disrespecting the glory of God. It's been in his home. We don't know what he did when it was in his home, but that chest was there. That Ark of the Covenant was there. It was in his dad's house. His brother, he, you know, played around about it. We don't think, I don't think they use it for a TV table, but they, but they were familiar enough with it to where when they, they they said, King David, how should we bring it back? He said, well, it's got to be on something new. Let's bring it back new cart. Let's have it pulled by some oxen. Sounds good. They get a few steps down the road and the music's going on, the band is playing and the oxen stumbled, earthen vessels. The Bible talks about the fivefold ministry being the ox that treads out your grain. Don't muzzle the ox that treads out your grain. Oxen can stumble, but the glory of God will never fail. And when the oxen stumbled, Uzzah, the Bible says that his sin was that of presumption and familiarity. That's what the Bible describes in the original Hebrew. <clears throat> he put his hand, hands out to steady the ark because he presumed he could. And he died instantly. And David was mad at God. Who wouldn't be? All he did was touch it. He's trying to help. But he didn't read the word. Because the word said that the ark had to go on the shoulders of the leaders and go before them. He got angry, David. David got angry and immediately was in reverential awe again of God's holiness. My friends, we're human carriers of the glory of God and that's not to be taken lightly. I wanna say this to you and I'm, like I said, I'm almost done. The glory of God is more than goosebumps. The glory of God, experiencing God certainly includes an exciting and powerful moments, but to quote Boston, it's more than a feeling. Three people remember Boston. Does anybody remember? Anybody remember Boston? Please, thank you. The best dual guitars of all time. It's more than a feeling. It's more than an emotion. It's more than, listen, we've had moments in our church in the 33 year history of our church where we've spent time on the floor under the weight of the heaviness of God. But here's what we said even back then and even during these experiences. It's not how long you spend, spend soaking in God on the floor. It's what happens when you get up. Are you different? Are you changed? You can, you can go in the spiritual movement of the past 40, 50 years, people have become conference junkies looking for the next famous preacher to lay hands on them or wave their hand or breathe on them so they can collect another experience for their trophy shelf and tell everybody else how it felt. I got another blessing. But are you blessed to be a blessing? Did you receive out on this way so you can give out this way? Are you a consumer or a distributor? That 
is positioning for revival. Carpet time. The Chabad, the thickness or heaviness of the glory of God is important, but the fruit of your life should show a difference in that time. The glory of God is an encounter with the Holy One, the living one, the loving God, but it's not just your buddy God. It's not God, your friend, when you encounter his glory. The Bible says that, that the king in Isaiah's time, King Uzziah, when he, when he lived, the Bible says Isaiah was grieving over Uzziah's death. And he said, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his glory filled the temple. And I said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in a world that's unclean. And God sent an angel and said, I'm gonna cleanse you with the fire of God, the coal. And I'm gonna touch your lips and you're gonna speak differently than you spoke before. And that's when Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. When you have an encounter with God, your first thing is not, woohoo! Isn't God good? That's on the way. That's outer court stuff. That's enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. To be in the holy of holies. If you were the high priest and you went in and there was sin in your life, the reason why these guys pray like this is because they had these little bells on their, on their prayer shawls and the bells would ring while they were praying before the holy ark of God. And if, they, if people were outside and heard the bell stop, there was a rope around the priest's leg where they could pull him out because they knew he was dead. Are you hearing me? Jesus, our great high priest, paid the ultimate price. We can boldly go before the throne of grace but not so casually that we forget that he is God. Revival has a greater purpose than just giving you a temporary blessing. You, yeah, you'll feel renewed, but it's for the purpose of God. In the next few weeks, you and I have the opportunity leading up to Easter to catch a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit once again so we can bring others on Easter Sunday to that same resurrection power we've experienced ourselves. April 9th, we're only a few weeks away from Easter, resurrection day. I'll finish with this. Do you treasure your treasure? Do you treasure your treasure? Do you know what you have in having the Holy Spirit with you and within you and on you and through you? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you afresh. If I preached your word, your promise is that you'll confirm it with signs and with wonders and with miracles. Lord, in this place, would you introduce people to Jesus? Would you draw them 
Oh, I love that. PL, I love that. Is that Hosanna? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of those songs where I get enamored. Just sing it, would you? Just bow your heads. Christ as Lord and Savior, or you've been playing games with God, maybe you've been in a place in your life where you've been putting one foot out there, partying with your friends, another foot in the church world, this is a holy moment. If you want to be born again, or you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or you want to get right with God and rededicate your life to the Lord, I want you to run to the front right now. Get out of your chair and run to the front. We're not going to play patty cake games. We're not going to ask you, beg you to lift your hand. <clears throat> We're not going to do anything that is hiding out. Either you come or you don't come. In the presence of God, be real, be truthful. Don't play games with God. There's somebody in here right now. I'm telling you, it's really crucial that you don't push God away that in this moment, I want you to come right up to the front. Who's the first one? Who's the courageous one that'll admit it? I need God in my life. Get up, just stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are and come up here to the front. Come on. I knew. I pray for you a lot anyway. Still having those nightmares? Okay. Come on up. Come on up, sir. Come on. Anybody else? Come on up right now. Come right now. This is the greatest miracle of the day. This is the greatest moment. This is the greatest moment. This is what it's about. Come over here on this side, if you will. Come on over here. Come on over here. Anybody else? Everybody stretch your hands toward them. 
Father, reveal yourself. Those of you that are up here right now, I just want you to lift your hands up and I want you to just say, just say, Jesus, I have messed up in my life, but I acknowledge you today that I need you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Change me from the inside. I give you my life. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, do a mighty work in them. Praise God. Freedom. You let go of his hand for a second. Freedom. Freedom. See, that's how I was so specific earlier. A lot of times people just put their hand out and touch somebody. You can't assume that. Sometimes it's such a holy moment and spiritual things travel for the laying on of hands. Somebody touch you. Now nobody, you can't be superstitious about it. Somebody can touch you and not impart something to you. But you gotta guard yourself with the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you've been messing with horoscopes or the occult or something, but there's something, I just feel like there's been a witchcraft attack against your life, against your mind. You've been bombarded with stuff because you've been flirting with other supernatural things other than the power of God. I'm not legalistic, folks, but you when you come into a revival, I'm saying we shouldn't be playing with that stuff anyway, but you come into revival, you don't play both sides. It's either the power of the Holy Spirit or no power at all. Amen? A lot of people tell you know. A lot of people tell me you know, they'll come in chatting with me after church. New people come in and say, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a Pisces. Pisces doesn't mean anything to me. All it means to me is the sign of the fish in the heavenlies that God put up there as a sign unto you that you can be a Christian. The ram." the scapegoat, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The bull, all of it points to Jesus, my friends. Not to somebody telling you your daily little, when you can get out of bed or not. The word says, go forth. <laughs> go forth, get up and go. In the name of Jesus, I break that evil assignment off of you in Jesus' name, and I lay the ax to the root of that generational curse and tendency and witchcraft. Come off of her in Jesus' name. We drive it out by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, cause her to be mighty in you, clean through the word that's been spoken unto her in Jesus' name. Amen. You receive that? Come on and give God praise. That's God doing something right there. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands up. I need Tracy. I need Alina. Alina and Tracy, would you come up? This young lady's come up a couple of times for nightmares. And I mean demonic stuff. Can you take a moment and even pray with her after church? Is that okay? I gotta let these good people go. Listen, we're praying for you. Look at me. God's love is all over you. And his hand is on you and your sister's life. Not just on your sister, on you too. 
You're not second. You're not second in importance because you're a twin and share the same egg, okay? God knew that, has got great plans for you and your sister, okay? If you have any trouble dealing with that, pray for the sister too, okay? And the parents are right over there, okay? We love you here. We celebrate you, okay? Amen. Amen. Give God praise. Love you. Good to see you. God bless. Give me your hand. In Jesus' name, do a mighty work. Do a mighty work in the name of Jesus. Be blessed and be empowered. My friend, good to see you again. I know God's doing something in you. God bless you, sir. Okay? Give God a good hand. You guys go back to your seats. And you guys just, you can take her wherever you want on the side, over here, wherever you want, ladies. Thank you, Alina. Just take her over there. Man, what a blessing. I didn't know. Now I know what you felt. Okay, we just go, how do you quit? How do you quit the service? You just walked off. I don't know if I'm gonna, is that what just exit stage, right? Anyway, I just want God to do what he wants to do, but I wanna be sensitive. Listen, part of it is you can't say we care about families and then in revival, you forget about families. The nursery workers are taking care of your kids. We're always gonna be more respectful of God's time. We're always gonna be respectful of your time too, okay? So we're never gonna to try to belabor the point. I used to sit when I was in Pastor Benny Hinn's church, we had three to five hour services on a regular basis. And the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Mine. So what they say, you can only, you can only, uh, you can only take as much revelation as your seat can endure, right? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.